Now on Radio Italia Uno. It's time for Happy Business Radio with Peter Salerno. An hour where we have lots of fun with very interesting guests. We talk about how to start, build, and increase your business. Right now, on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Okay, thank you very much. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. And the reason why we say good morning, good afternoon, and good night is because we are lucky enough to be podcasted to quite a few countries around the world. And at the moment, I know that there's at least 25 to 30 countries and people listening to us all over the place. Last week's show, uh, we were in um, half a dozen countries, India, uh, Thailand, Nepal, people up there, and also in Papua New Guinea. And our our special guests last week, as as you uh, would have heard, were uh, Miro and Dr. Peng. And uh, this week, I'm lucky enough to bring Frank back and Frank Falco is here today. Thank you, Frank. Thank you for staying and being with us today. Thank you for coming in. Yeah, look, let's just, um, for people that don't know you, we didn't introduce you that well last time, except as a special guest, as a mentor for Dr. Peng and Miro and the Run Link. But you've been a very, very interesting character and you've done a lot of very, very interesting things. And one of the things that I want to emphasise on people is that we've mentioned it a few times before, but years ago, when I was a child, you know, you went to school, you went and got a job, you stayed at that job for 25 years, mm-hmm. you, you get what they call a gold watch, <laughs> yep. and they say, thank you very much, yeah, and they clap you off and you go off and retire. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in the last 30, 40 years, that's changed. And where people used to have one or two jobs, say, for their life, Nowadays, there's some people out there, they're having one or two jobs a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know, but, fortunately, you know. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't quite done that. But, yeah, but, <laughs> but what we're saying, jokes <clears throat> aside, yeah. um, there are a lot of people have had more than one career. Mm. You know, they, they've, they haven't just become uh, a mechanic or uh, a plumber or a tradesperson or a doctor or whatever. They've gone off and changed careers and they've sometimes changed two or three careers yep. during a working lifetime. Well, and, and as, you, as you know, Peter, coming from our, our background, our, yes. our Italian, Italian background, background yes. um, my family background was my father and brother were auto electricians and mm-hmm. um, I grew up in a very, uh, say, blue-collar yep. uh, family. And um, I suppose the expectation back then from my father, and unfortunately I disappointed him a little bit, is that uh, he built this great auto electrical business and um, had this wonderful vision of my brother and I taking working over. together and, <laughs> and taking <clears throat> over. And my, my brother did his part, and I unfortunately, uh, for my fa- my father and brother, uh, I suppose, uh, didn't do mine. Yeah. Um, I did, as a teenager, work um, in the family business, as you do, because mm-hmm. at a very young age you get taught the value of working and... Uh, yes. and uh, and what you need to do to earn your money, and um, but I very quickly uh, realised that um, that wasn't for me, and uh, got into uh, software developing at you know in the eighties when it was unusual and not really well understood, and and you can imagine my family had a real struggle trying to understand <laughs> what, what you were what, doing, what the hell it was <laughs> that I was doing. I think my grandfather at one point I remember overhearing him somebody saying. You know what does Frank do? We don't we don't get it. And he said, "Oh, he types on a keyboard," <laughs> and um, and he and I think he said something like like a secretary. Yeah. And I went, um, 
No, <laughs> not quite. But um, and and well, and he also was rather disappointed that I couldn't partake in the family bartering community then because I had no usable skills <laughs> of any of any of for, any for use them. whatsoever for, for them. And yeah, for them. And he just went, look, just. Let Frank do Frank's job. <laughs> He's over there doing something we don't quite get, but we'll take care of you know the the, the required uh, you know shared services yeah. uh, ecosystem that was going on and, and uh, still does today. But uh, so yes, I was a bit of the black sheep of the family yeah. that no one quite <laughs> understood. And well, the thing is that one of the things you mentioned that I, I want to come back to was the fact that you mentioned values and mm. work. You know the values mm. of work or, or yep. work values. You know whichever way you put it. Sure. And, and like, just today, I was talking to a, a lad or a, a man, he's a, you know, a, a man, and he's working with a business at the moment in a, in a company as a labourer. Mm-hmm. But his mother and father had great expectations for him as well. Unfortunately, he, he got on the drugs and, you know, mm-hmm. rock and roll and mm-hmm. went the wrong lane, you know. And he's paid his time, you know, and all the rest of it. But now he's trying to get his act back together. So I was talking to him about it, you know, when he works, he's a damn good worker, mm. right? He's got a fairly good work ethics, right? I could see that, he, you know, he was working. And I've, I've uh, um, been on the job and watched him, see what he does, and I've asked him questions and that sort of thing. But do you think that today, the youth of today, or a lot of people today don't have that work ethics? Um, I, think, I, I, think, I think it's very hard to compare... Uh, generations to each other mm-hmm. sometimes I grew up and I, and I'd say it's not even generational it's cultural quite often yes uh, and, okay true point and I think the way I was brought up and the values that my father instilled in me and the work ethic I, he instilled mm-hmm. in me was very much of of his background right mm-hmm. and and I think the young people today uh, behave a lot differently yes. and think very differently to the way we did in our generation yes. and probably one or two after that. I think the, I think they want to, um, I think they, what they really want is to feel like what they're doing is important mm. and is, and, oh, is everybody and, everybody, and everybody does. Yes. But I th- also think the generation that we have today that are working today in their 20s mm-hmm. haven't experienced things like recessions and, those sorts of things that we went through in the eighties, yeah, um, and uh, things like the the boom and the and the, the bust, bus, yes, uh, like the dot com boom, the dot yeah. the dot com boom in the late nineteen nineties and early two thousands sent everything stratospheric and changed the way business was done, done. forever. Um, like the COVID has now, yeah, and like COVID <laughs> has now, but I don't yeah. think I don't think they've experienced what what happens when the economy really. Tightens up, you know, goes in, goes in the in a hole mm-hmm. badly. Now I'm not, and if you go back far enough, then yeah. my grandparents and parents lived through world wars and yes. depressions and and having to move countries and and that sort of thing. And I think you know you're a product of your experience, mm-hmm. right? And so to sit there and say we expect young people today to work in the same way that we did mm-hmm. and have the same values or the same work ethic that we do. Um, is probably a little bit unrealistic. Right. Um, and I think a lot of it comes back to how they were brought up, what they've experienced. And that, and a, a lot of a lot of the young generation now that have started working who are in their 20s, say, 
are very technically astute. I mean, yes. they, they wouldn't know what it was like not to have a, a computer on your desk <laughs> and three TVs in your house, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm old enough, unfortunately, <laughs> to remember when colour television and, and video VCRs came out and having to explain it to my parents. I'm and older trying than to, you. And, and, yeah, and trying to explain to my... black and white TV. Yeah, and, and, and trying to explain, you know, trying to explain to my father <clears> why having a computer at home would be a good thing. And fortunately for me, my, my father, um, whilst he didn't understand it very well, yeah. was prepared to... To back it, and I remember getting my first computer on my fifteenth birthday. Wow, which was a big deal. Yeah, like it was, it was a huge deal. And my father went off, and I had a good friend of mine who Mm. I used to go after, who I met at school, and on the weekends I would go to his house because he had a computer. computer. (laughs) And his father worked for um, uh, weapons research or something, one of those technical places out out north somewhere. And I used to go and basically live at his house on the weekends. And my father didn't like this very much. And he went, I don't understand why you're spending all this time at this kid's house. So he went and talked to this guy, you know, my, my friend's parents. And they explained it and showed him the computer. And it was an extraordinary amount of money at the time, if I remember correctly, um, to get the computer that I wound up, my father wound up buying for me. and was somewhere like 4000 Australian dollars wow, that in, been a lot in 1981. Of money. That's like a whole right? year's wage. Like not that that was just an extraordinary yeah. amount. I mean, like even yeah, today, yeah. if you sit there and say to somebody that computer costs four thousand yeah. dollars, they go, Wow, that's a lot of money for yeah. a computer. I'm sitting there, imagine what it was like yeah. back then when it really didn't do a hell of a lot. And um <laughs> I remember getting a one hundred and twenty eight K memory card yeah. for this thing. Um, and having, you know, 140K floppy disks yeah. and all this sort of stuff and thinking oh, I was just the, I was just the bomb. Right, man, I tell you, <laughs> I, had it, I had it set up. And to say that was a leap of faith for my parents, would, and, and they weren't rich people, that was an, ex, an extraordinary amount of money. Yeah. And for them to back, to back me like that without actually really knowing why what was, what and what it was, it was about. And yeah. my, my father... Um, uh, who unfortunately isn't with us anymore, but he, he used to always say it was the best $4,000 he ever, he ever spent. spent. Yeah. I still didn't at the time have any idea what it was about, but, yeah. I, you know, um, and I suppose I've built a career from it, you yes. know, which is great. But talking about that also, you you say you've built a career. You sort of seem to know from a very early age that yeah. you, you that's what you wanted to do. Yeah, yeah I did. Right, But yeah. I, I remember speaking to you previously where you said that your father used to get you to go to the workshop and and do mm. things at the workshop and and yep. you know like <clears throat> simple things that you now think wow but at the time you might have hated yeah but you know like well, I think, teaching I think, how to sweep the and, I, and I think the story I told you when we were talking about this is I think I an think important, that's important one that's I important think it's a really important one radio. yeah I think it really is because yeah. um I, I I remember it distinctly and it's one of those life lessons that you you sit there and at the time you, you hate it, you, you, but you're you glad don't. You don't it. think you don't understand the importance of it, and I was pretty angry about it. And it's a really simple one, but I well, think tell it's, us the story. I tell think it's really story. important. So my my father's an auto electrician, and uh, at the ripe old age of thirteen, he said to me, "Look, you know this whole getting your allowance oh, for sorry. just existing in the house <laughs> isn't cutting it anymore. Uh, you need to understand the the value of." Um, of what what working means and the value of money and how you have to earn it um, and be responsible about it. Um, my brother, who was 11, didn't really appreciate this very much because he, <laughs> he, he got dragged into it because I turned 13. Um, 
and thought that I got two extra years and this was very unfair. And my father went, well, welcome to being second. the second <laughs> child, you know, and younger, you know, you're just going to have to toughen, tough it up and do what your brother does because uh, you're losing your allowance as well, yeah. right? <laughs> um, and um, and, he's, and he said, look, you know, you can, you can come and uh, you can do a paper round or earn money however way you want or... I need two guys to do to work at the workshop and do all the stuff I don't want the apprentices wasting their time on. You know, important things like cleaning and <coughs> and these sorts of things. But they were they weren't medi- they weren't menial jobs for the sake of it. They were cleaning parts and learning how to recondition alternators and those sorts of stuff. Um, um, so you were learning a trade. So you so time. I was learning a trade, and you were sort of hoping that I'd you know yeah I'd I'd really enjoy this and um and run the business and let my fu- let my brother fix the cars and I'd run the business because mm-hmm. uh, I showed acumen in that area yeah. at a very young age. Anyway, cut a long story short, um, I, I learnt I the right way of doing things, yeah. you know, and that things should be done correctly and as to the best of your ability and to always challenge um, what, what you do and how you do it. And the way I learnt that lesson was... Um, doing changeover alternators, which is, you know, you take an alternator over a car, you strip it down, you recondition it, you put it all back together, you paint it, and you and then when another car comes in that needs a changeover alternator, instead of taking it out yeah. and fixing it, you just replace it. Um, and it's warranted for three years, yeah. you know, so it's as good as a new one, um, but not as expensive which and, and yeah. quick. So you have to do a lot of these <coughs> things. You have to have them in stock, right? Yeah. Anyway, so I... I you know, being the way I am, very analytical, I got shown how to do this. I started having a little process that I thought was pretty good, had my trays laid out, had a, had a whole method to it and um, thought I was pretty good. And, you know, at the ripe old age of 14 or 15, I thought I was pretty hot and, you know, was pretty smart and had this down pat. And I remember that one Saturday my, my father walking past my bench and, and him sort of looking at what I was doing and he said, so how many... Do you reckon you get done in, in on a Saturday? And I said, oh, you know, I get seven or eight. You know, it takes me about 45 minutes each. I've got this whole process and I made the absolute cardinal mistake yeah. of saying to him, I've got this <coughs> down so pat. I, I reckon I'm, I'm faster than anyone in the workshop. Look, I'm and gonna, uh, I'm going to have to cut you off there because <laughs> this is a good story. I want the people to come back and listen to the second sure. half of it, right? Sure. So we we got to take a break because it's 15 minutes already. Already, wow. <laughs> See up there. <laughs> okay. I should I should not, not turn my back to the clock. That's all right. Look, <laughs> we'll we'll come straight back. Our independence is everything. Brazier Mobility has been creating independence for people for over 30 years. Brazier Mobility specialises in tailored vehicle solutions to keep you active, ensuring your vehicle modification suits your needs, offering you unlimited freedom. Brazier Mobility boasts a team of highly skilled technicians working in a state-of-the-art facility located here in South Australia. No compromises are made when it comes to client satisfaction. Call them for a friendly chat on 1800 Brazier or visit their website braziermobility.com.au Brazier Mobility, creating independence. Better, better for life. As your parents get older, at some stage it's likely they'll need your help. At Southern Cross Care, we'd love to help you help them. Our wide range of quality home care services are designed to take care of mum and dad, their health 
home and even garden. We're compassionate, capable, police-checked and proudly South Australian. If you want the best home care for your parents, call 1800 852 772 or visit southerncrosscare.com.au. Better, better, better for life. Foodland's owned by South Australian families like mine. Like our second home, we ensure our stores are safe. Great families, great locals and great food lives here. Foodland, the mighty South Aussies, yeah! Hi, I'm Matt McQuinley. Join me each Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. for Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, destroying victim philosophy, canceling cancel culture, and by discussing as well as listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, beliefs, business, history, world events, and more. Change the world with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Ti piace la musica? Hai voglia di metterti in gioco? Entusiasmo e personalità non ti mancano? Radio Italia 1 sta cercando te. Chiama l'82 123177 e anche tu avrai la possibilità di entrare a far parte del nostro team. Radio Italia 1, diamo voce alla tua voce. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Peter Saluno on Happy Business Radio on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening every Monday from 2 to 3 on Radio Italia Uno and on Happy Business Radio. We can hear it anytime you like on our podcast. We've just had some uh, feedback from people week after week after week because the good thing about listening to it on radio, you hear it first uh, from 2 to 3 every Monday, but then you can go and listen to the podcast and you can hear it as much as you'd like and go back and repeat. So you don't have to ring me up and say, what was that guy said? It was very important. What was it? I can't remember now. You can go back and listen to the podcast. And and we're coming straight back to you with uh, Frank Falco, who's our special guest this week. And uh, Frank was just telling us a story about the value of work and work values and ethics that his father taught him as a child. And we're up to the part... No, you go back and listen to it. <laughs> but anyway, we're up to the part which is, uh, I think is very important. And so, Frank, continue from the fact that you had this process in place. Yep. And, and this is important in itself because most people don't ever get a process. No, and it's, it's we'll incredibly important. Yeah. And I, yeah. I really thought I had this down um, and uh, made the fatal mistake of challenging my father. Well, <laughs> telling, him that, telling him that I had this down and I could beat anybody. And, of course... Being a 15-year-old. Be, be, yeah, being, uh, yeah, exactly right. And, hey, we're always very competitive in my family. And my father said, well, we'll see. You know, yeah. let's, um, let's, let's, try, let's try it out. And, and of course, I, re- I retaliated and said, well, you know, you've got no chance because you, you haven't done this for, <laughs> for ten, at least 10 years. You've you got, upstart. You've, you've got, um, yeah, I was, I was pretty confident. Um, and... Uh, and my father said, "Well, yeah, yeah, I haven't done I haven't done one for a long time, but that's okay. I remember it pretty good." Unfortunately for me, he beat me by five minutes, and um, that's a long time. It's a long time. <laughs> I I took about forty five minutes, and he did it in about forty, and I was really upset about it, and um, was just stack, you know, trying to work out what went wrong, mm-hmm. you know, what happened, <clears throat> and and this is where I think the valuable lessons come from, um, and that yeah. 
what my father was teaching me was how to work the problem, right? And he basically said, okay, so think, of, you know, because he said, so where did, where did I beat you? And I said, well, how would I know? You were on the other bench. I was focusing on what I was doing. I was so confident and that I'd, you know, I'd beat you. It didn't even occur to me to, look, to look at you. And he said, well, that's not the point. The point is where are you, where where you know where's the 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 weakness you know where where's the time waste where, where's the time going the most where did that five minutes go yeah where from? where do you think the five minutes <coughs> came from and I said mm. well it has to have come from the thing that takes the longest which is soldering the diodes onto the onto the rectifier plate it's really amazing I'm talking about something that happened forty years ago and I can remember it like it was yesterday it's it's really clear in my mind. And like I said to you, I reckon I could take you back to that workshop. It's yeah. still there, um, <laughs> and I could be at that bench, and it just it would it would be like I was there. Uh, anyway, yeah. so the thing that took the longest amount of time was soldering these six diode round diodes onto a metal plate. And he said to me, "Okay, well, how do you do it?" And I, I said, "Well, pretty well. How I was shown to do it. You know, I get a big soldering iron." And anyway, so he said, "Well, let's have a look at it. You know, let's have a mm -hmm. look at at, the, at that part." You know, very wise man. Um, and and I showed him, and he and it was taking me forever. And and the, and, and as I was doing, I was sitting there realizing how stupid this was, the yeah. way I was doing it. And there must be a better way of doing this, but I yeah. just couldn't think what it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he said, "Well, he said, let me show you. Let, let, you know, how do you think you'd speed it up?" And I said, and it, "Well, what's taking you all the time?" And I said, "Well, the thing that's taking all the time is." Getting the plate hot enough to be able to melt the solder to keep it on. keep it fluid yeah. enough to get these diodes onto it because they have to be wet and then yeah. you've got to cool them down and then you've got to do the next one and then the next one and then you've got to cool that down and take the plate off and put the next yeah. one on and do the same thing all over again and it takes six times. takes <laughs> ages you know like yeah. um, something in my head something like seven or eight minutes which is twenty percent of you know probably yeah. closer to nine or ten minutes twenty percent of the time the whole thing took. Yeah. Um, and had a thought about it, I went, that, no wonder that's, no wonder I'm taking so long. But I thought 45 minutes was pretty good. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I started, it used to take me a lot longer than that. Yeah. Anyway, and he said, well, he, here's the trick, right? On these metal plates, they're curved like a bit like a half a horseshoe sort of thing. And um, there's holes on each end to screw into the, into the bracket to hold it. And... Um, what I didn't notice and I didn't pay any attention to was on the side so where these lugs were, they were flat on the yeah. side, which, as it turns out, fits really nice in a vice, right, <laughs> to hold them. And he said, then the trick is you've got to heat the whole thing up quickly. So he got a blowtorch thing out, yeah. heated the plate up and, and heated the whole thing, dropped the solder into each one. And he sort of said, and what's really interesting is when you pick up the diodes between your fingers, the gap between your fingers happens to be roughly... The gap between the holes on the diode, on the diode plate. And, uh, and he said, so you heat it up, drop the solder in real quick, pick up the diodes all together, drop them in, throw some water on it, cool it down, go to the next one, do the same one. Takes two, two minutes, right? Um, <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, why didn't I think of that, yeah. right? Um, so the point of the lesson, and, and I think the thing that I've you know, probably built a lot of my career on is um, working problems, working out how to Smarter. do things yeah. better yeah. and always challenging the assumption of the way I'm doing it isn't necessarily the best way of doing it. Yeah. Um, what's the problem I'm trying to solve here? What, what's, what's you know, how can I refine this process yeah. better? And that's the yeah. lesson, right? Yes. Is that's that a great lesson. Is, and I suppose, and when you're talking about technology, that's really working and refining yeah. problems. 
and and I and and at the time I was I was sort of I didn't appreciate the importance of what I was being taught mm. until later. I was just upset that he beat me, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and that I didn't think of and I didn't think of the solution myself, and he had to show it to me, and I, that that made me more angry than anything. Yeah, but I suppose that passion about. Um, but I think that's what's work, driven you. Yeah, it has, and and like I said, it's it's one of those life less those life moments that. Mm. Um, come around every now and then that you can vividly remember mm-hmm. that turns out to change the way you think about things, it's, right? It's funny because it didn't just change one part of your life. That, no. that had an effect on the rest of your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. And and <laughs> whilst I did become an auto electrician and I didn't yeah. apply that method to that particular thing, I've applied that thinking and that process um, um, to pretty much everything I've ever done ever since. And I've literally built a career of, of, out of it. Yeah. And it's not just that one thing, but it, it's applying mm-hmm. it's applying knowledge and questioning and, and challenging and thinking yeah. outside the mm-hmm. box and trying to work out what the problem is that you're trying to solve and how's, how do you attack it. And, and having that that attention to detail, detail. And, yeah. and the resilience to sit back and say, I'm getting something, getting something yeah. wrong is is a lesson in itself yep. right and and failing is you know is part of as part of succeeding <clears throat> and i think that the combination of all that you know the combination of those skills and that th- thought process and the resilience mm-hmm. and the and the tenacity to sit back and and want to want to be better yep. is that is the life lessons that i learned as a very young child um and have held me in good stead you know all my career oh i think that's that's important and that's why I do this program because I want people to hear from mm. experts such mm. as yourself, people who have had a life lesson that's helped them right through life, you know, yeah. something that their father's passed on, their bosses passed on, their mentors passed on, a coach or, you know, a and, teacher. And, and, they, and, they, and, and, and my, my father was a, was, a, was a great man and he, um, but he was hard on you and yeah. he expected a lot. Yeah, and and I think getting back to the question you asked earlier about you know do do young, the younger generation today have the work ethic? I'm not sure if it's the work ethic that's the problem. I think the issue is is they don't have a lot of resilience, and I think the the reason for that is we've gone through a, you know a couple of generations of where we've told told young people that they can be anything and do anything, and they're wonderful okay. all the time, and. Whilst that's a really nice thing to encourage them, and the reality though is it doesn't always work out that way, and not everybody is is amazing, right? Yeah. Um, and the problem is, is if you keep telling people that and you don't teach them how to fail, and and well, that, that that's failure, okay. failure that is fa- and that failure is okay, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and competition is okay, yes, and coming coming not coming first or second or not even counting the score, even but, though everybody yeah. does. Participation is not, is, uh, is not a about. good thing, <clears throat> yeah. right? Look, we're going <laughs> to take another break because another 10 minutes has gone already, so thank you uh, for listening. But we, we'll come straight back because that part that you just mentioned then is so important about, mm. you know, you can have anything, but you've got to be prepared to pay for it or work for it, yeah. you know. And I think that's what uh, you, you have become um, so good at, you know, and I want you to share some information sure. on that. Yo, ciao, Armando Paradiso from Unique Stone, delivering quality stone tops to South Australia for over 20 years. Granite, marble, Caesar stone, Unique Stone, 
granito, marmo, Caesar stone, unique stone, thinking stone bench tops to your kitchen, bathroom, or furniture? Unique stone at Jacobson Crescent, Holden Hill. Call us now, 8266-2280. Unique stone, we won't be beaten. Come on, che stai facendo? Yo, chiama adesso. When you hear the name Bocelli Cafe, you think an Adelaide institution, a family restaurant that's been providing the finest Italian cuisine for almost two decades. Coffee of the highest quality and staff that treat you like family. Spacious, COVID-safe indoor dining and a fully heated outdoor area. The kitchen is always prepared for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Parking's a dream. Bocelli Cafe Restaurant. 81 to 83 Hutt Street, Adelaide. Call them 8232-3006 to book or follow Bocelli on Facebook and Instagram. Did you know that Podcast City can record your podcast right here in the studios of Radio Italia Uno on our professional recording equipment? Podcast City can also come to your location with our mobile studio. We can record just your audio or work with you to plan, record, edit, and distribute your podcast to your audience. If you would like to find out more and receive a free podcast startup checklist or book a time to record your podcast, call Radio Italia Uno on 8212317 or go to podcastcity.com.au. Podcast City, podcasting the easy way. Hi, Deb here with my business partner, Dave. Join us each week on Friday, 6 till 7, on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM, for Mental Health Talk, a show where mental health is everyone's business. Every Friday from 6 till 7. Sponsored by Mental Health Partners. Radio Italia Uno Sito internet www.italiauno.com.au Seguici anche sulla nostra pagina Facebook e Instagram Radio Italia Uno You're listening to Peter Saluno on Happy Business Radio on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening every Monday from 2 to 3 on Radio Italia Uno and on Happy Business Radio podcast. Thanks to Ron from Podcast City Adelaide. And uh, today our special guest is Frank Falco. And we've been talking about the values of business. We've been talking about uh, work and work ethics and uh, values. And before we go on to the next thing, I just want to say, please support the people that support us. Go and if you've got a product or service that you want to advertise to the general public, let us know. We will help you out as much as we can. And uh, Radio Italia Uno are just here to help promote your services and your business. So get in touch with me through Radio Italia Uno or anybody at the radio station, and they'll be more than happy to help you. Now, Frank Falco has been a Adelaide boy, uh, obviously overseas parents. Um, and uh, the most important thing is that he's learned some lessons very early in your life, Frank, that uh, have become life lessons, haven't they? Mm. They've become valuable things that you've learned. And one of the things you mentioned just before we went to the break about how people have been told for a long time, a couple of generations, you can have anything you want, you can do anything you want, you can become anybody you want. And they sort of become expectant <laughs> or, you know, whatever. Or, or, you, almost or, entitled. Yeah, they think that they're yeah. entitled to 
to be it. Instead of earning it, like you said, when you were a young boy, you were taught how to mm. earn respect, how to work, and and you know the ethics of that. They think they're entitled to it because, hey, I want a job. You've got to give me a job. Mm. And then, of course, the other thing that comes up is people come up with an idea and they think that they can get a sponsorship from the government or a, a startup, you know, grant or whatever. Yep. Or they go for grants and and they go grant after grant after grant and do nothing with it. You yep. know, and this is, I know that you're a mentor uh, for a lot of people and you've been a coach and mentor um, and and you've got very strong feelings like I have, you know. Yeah. I, I don't believe that people should be given grants just to uh, spend it and, you know, buy themselves a, a, a fancy office. Yeah. So I, I've, I've, for many years, um, when I was younger, I, I had some great mentors and a lot of help from various people and as you get older and have a bit more experience you like to give back and try and help out so i've you know been involved in you know mentor you know, various levels of certain startups but also uh, mentoring for nvi and and uh, think lab and um doing startup weekends and these sorts of things and um recently um also with the founders institute um yes. That's a um, worldwide organisation yeah, as well. Um, People got to know Founders Institute. Look it up if you want to know more about it. Yeah. Um, the it, it's it's interesting that we've got this term startup, and it's almost like it's a and sometimes I, it, it feels to me like you know putting your fingers on a chalkboard because <laughs> it it's, people say it as if it's some way of obfuscating the responsibility of running a business mm. you know <laughs> like somehow it's different you've got this startup stage and but it's not really a business it's a startup yeah and so you're not, and, not and, the rule, and the rules don't really apply in the same way and and you sit back and you go the fundamentals are always the same understand the understand the problem you're trying to solve make sure you can communicate it and articulate it yeah work work out the solution and um and how you're going to deliver it and how you're going to make a business out of it. Because mm. a lot of people seem to think it's it's more like something to do with, hey, I'm, I've got some great idea that I think is fantastic. I don't really put any effort into validating or, or or working out how to monetize it. And then they go out for investment or something like that. And they think that, you know, that's they can just, you know, churn around a bit until that's just they, they sort <laughs> of come up with something or they decide to pivot which is another great term yeah. for sitting there going, well, I really didn't work that one out, so I'm going to try something else and just keep churning away. And ask for another grant. And ask for another <laughs> grant. or go, and, yeah. and, 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 and I always say to people, look, you've got to, you've got to put some effort into actually working the problem. And you would be staggered how many times I've, I do a mentoring session yeah. and, and I've got a reputation around the place being frank by name and frank by nature. I'm pretty yeah. blunt. <laughs> Um, and some things I say to people really upset them, and they and people. I've even had people on the panel or from the organisation I'm doing this for going, "Geez, that was a bit harsh, wasn't it?" And I'm going, "No, no, it wasn't." <laughs> you know, and and if you think I'm bad, you wait. You have to go to see a venture capitalist or something yeah. who wants who, you know, who who's you're expecting to invest in you. You you think I'm being harsh. The and reality, the and, reality. I, and I've been through yeah. some pretty harsh, you know, investor meetings yeah. on either side of the fence. And, um, but what I'm saying is, is that you've got a responsibility. You know, you'd be amazed how many people I I, I see pitch to me. Yeah. Who sit there and go, I've got this unique solution, and I go, really? And I hop on my phone while they're saying it, 
do a Google search and I go, well, here's eight competitors right there on the first page. Yeah. Like, do you not know how to use Google? Like, yeah. seriously, all I did was search the keyword of what you yeah. put up on your slide. Yeah. Did you not do this, right? Um, and you're sitting there going, when you go to somebody and ask them for investment, this is not to fund your lifestyle and to make you feel cosy about <laughs> about what, what the hell it is I'm you're trying this, to do. This is almost like a comic routine. You sit there and you go, yeah. you can't, these people, you know, this yeah. per, these whoever these people are, whether they're billionaires or whether they're mum and dad investors, mm -hmm. you've got a responsibility because they're, they're entrusting their hard-earned money yeah. Yeah. in your idea. And you've, I think it's incumbent on you to actually have, some skin in the game for a start, yes. and a lot of people don't. They just come up with it. the number of people who've pitched an idea to me. There's nothing more than the back of a napkin, literally. Yeah, uh, and they have no idea how they're going to do it, or no insight as to the approach they're going to take. But they want your money. Well, we have this lots of is examples. staggering. <coughs> it's absolutely lots of staggering. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, and <laughs> I just I think it was a week or so. I think it was Tuesday. Actually, what is it? Tuesday night. Yeah. What what you know? Tuesday yeah. a week ago. Yeah. Monday or Tuesday a week ago, um, I was literally going through pitches and, and three of them, I just said to them, you know, I actually know a lot about the topic that your talking your business about. is about. I don't understand what you're talking about. You've, ha you've done absolutely nothing to validate your idea. Mm -hmm. You've come up with this pitch deck that makes absolutely no sense at all. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you're sitting there asking for investment and I'm just horrified by it, you know, and you just sit there and go, and the look on these people's, and you go, it's like you've hit them with a shovel. Yeah. And I'm sort of going like, hang on a second, you know, this is life. Like This is, you know, it's not going to be handed to you on a platter. Yeah, and, the, and there's lots of examples of people that people think, oh, they just suddenly you know, made oh, it and what got would rich. He know? A lot of and, people say that. And you I sit there understand. and you go, you really, you really don't know how hard that, those people worked or how diligent they were, or, you know, and you sit back and they think that, oh, you know, you just run a YouTube channel when something magical is going to happen or you have an idea and people are going to give you money and it's all going to work out and you're going to have a, a great company and you're going to come really rich. Yeah. That happens in a very small percentage of time, yeah. <laughs> right? And they don't understand how hard it is to build a business that actually somebody wants to buy and, and the impact that has on you, your life, your family, mm. your relationships, your health, all of those things. People just think, I've got an idea and it's going to be great if somebody just gives me the money to do it. Yeah. That's not... <laughs> but that's they, not, that's not they themselves have not worked out how to monetize it, how no. to make money from it. They just think, it's a good idea, I'm going to sell this idea to somebody, I'm going to make a lot of money and that's it. Yeah. And they just think it's just going to magically happen, and it's a lot of hard work. And um, and look, I've I've failed as much as anybody, yeah. you know. <laughs> but um, you've succeeded as well. That's yeah. The thing, uh, you know? um, but the thing is, is that you know, failing is part of succeeding. Part yeah. of, it's part of the Stepping. cycle, and and you learn a lot from failing. Not that I want to do it very often, but <laughs> but it's, it's inevitable that you're going to. You know, you're going to make mistakes, and you, you you're going to fail at some point, and you need to be able to be able to handle that. I think one of the uh, stories that I learned a long, long time ago was Thomas Edison, you know, who invented the light globe. And uh, when they asked him how many tries he'd done or how mm -hmm. many experiments, he did like over a thousand experiments, mm -hmm. a thousand and eleven, or you know, different figures come out. But I know that it was well over a thousand different 
things. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, what didn't work? What didn't work? You know, analysed every one of them and then tried again, then tried again. And there's a light in a fire station in America somewhere that's still lit and it's gone for 150 years. Mm-hmm. And I heard that just recently again, somewhere in San Francisco or somewhere there in America um, where he put a light globe in somewhere and that same light globe has still been on mm-hmm. nonstop. So the fact is, uh, you know, he had so many failures, but like you said about working on that diode, you were saying, how can I make it quicker? How can I streamline the system? What what can I do? When you talk to your dad, he went, oh, do it like this. And you think, damn, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> you know, but yeah. business, business people, they think that because... It's like I said to you before about people who say, oh, I'm not the manager, I'm the acting manager. And I always say to them, will you stop acting it and just be it? You know, when in charge, take command, do Mm. do the bloody job. Don't just say you're acting manager. You're the manager. That's it. Yeah, it's about about accountability and responsibility. We've got to take a break because 10 minutes are up again, 10 and a half already. At Elders Insurance Adelaide East, our mission is to provide outstanding service and superior coverage to each and every one of our clients. With over 30 years of experience, we treat every client with mutual respect and understanding. We'll listen carefully to your specific needs and requirements in order to develop insurance solutions with a level of service and coverage you can't find anywhere else. Elders Insurance Adelaide East is a family-owned and run business with a Italian tradition which is built on honesty, integrity and trust. Make an appointment today and go and see Tony and the team at Elders Insurance Adelaide East, 54 to 56 Kensington Road, Rose Park or telephone 8364 9477. We're an authorised representative of Elders Insurance, underwriting agency, Proprietary Limited, Elders Insurance, underwritten by QBE Insurance, Australia Limited. Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city. Mention Radio Italia Uno and you'll receive a free 250 gram bag of freshly roasted coffee beans. You can also shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au where you'll find a large range of premium roasted coffee beans, coffee machines, accessories, hot chocolates, teas and lots, lots more. I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things caffeine. I'm Anna Faruja of Chapel Funerals. My role as a funeral director is to guide you through the emotional process of saying goodbye to someone you love. I'm here to help you make all the necessary arrangements so that you and your family may have peace of mind and time to remember and celebrate the life of the person you've lost. When the time comes, I'm here for you. So please call me, Anna Faruja, at Chapel Funerals on 81825100. Hi, I'm Jamie Limorda. I'm Lee Harrison. Join us every second Sunday night from 7pm on Negative Camber, the official motorsport show of Scuderia Ferrari Club Adelaide. Whether it's karting, supercars, MotoGP, Formula One, we talk all the latest news and results in the motorsport world. Negative Camber, every second Sunday from 7pm. 
on Radio Italia 1, 87.6 FM. Vuoi promuovere la tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero uno. Radio Italia 1. You're listening to Peter Saluno on Happy Business Radio on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening to our program today, uh, every Monday from 2 till 3 on Radio Italia Uno and Happy Business Radio. And then you can listen to it on the podcast. Uh, thanks to Ron from Podcast City Adelaide. And uh, we go around the world to over 30 countries, I know, because we've had people uh, sending us messages from at least 30 countries. Um, now, my special guest today is Frank Falco. Frank, thank you so much for staying with us. Um, just everything you've said is all the things we talk about literally week from week to week, you know, about how important it is to, to get your work ethics right, how important it is to learn your life lessons, how important it is to do, you know, get the right mentors and... and uh, you know, if you've got an idea how to go and get a startup and, and whatever, but it's also about how to monetize it and how to, how to get a mentor and coach to do that, you know. And the, the one thing I'd like you to talk about is like um, understanding the problem. You mentioned before about understanding your problem and, uh, you know, um, what's the best solution, you know, like when your father taught you to do something, you, you thought you had a streamline worked out. And a lot of people think that what they're doing is right, mm. you know, and I, I've been a mentor and you know to some people and I've been a coach to others and I've said to them you know all right you show me what you do or tell me what you're doing why are you doing it oh we've done that before I said but you haven't done it this way mm. you know and that's what's important or you've done it we, yeah we did that program or we we did that sales thing but how did you do it and how well did you do that part of it and where did you fail yeah you know why didn't it work and when you're asking questions like that that's when they say ah. Oh, That's the thing, you know. But you mentioned the fact that it was very important about um, getting people around you. Yeah, uh, look, I I think the the most important thing is understanding the the thing, you know, the problem we're trying to solve. What's what's the reason of why you're doing it? Very rarely have I ever seen anybody. In fact, I don't think it's possible for anybody to do anything substantial by themselves. Mm. Nobody has all the skill sets you need to execute. Oh, a business sure. properly. So <clears throat> yeah. you have to understand your strengths and your weaknesses and we, where your time is best focused, right? Yeah. Then you need to surround yourself with a team of people and take them along for the journey that can support the, the functions that you need and, and, and do the things that you're not good at. And you understand just because you thought of the idea doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the CEO yes. as well. Um, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that are really good at something, but are, are absolutely horrible at running a company, and more importantly, managing people. Yes. The 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 function of managing people and being able to understand what your what what the mission of your company is, or what the purpose of your company is, being able to communicate that and that strategy, and having that strategy, and being able to communicate that and build the culture mm. of a great company is an incredibly hard thing to do and a lot of people are completely incapable of doing it, mm. right? 
and whether they understand that about themselves or not is half of the problem. <laughs> um, but I've worked, I've worked with some amazing people who are brilliant at what they do and absolutely are a disaster when it, com- when, when it comes to managing people mm-hmm. and managing people and understanding how to get people to work together yep. for to, to get a, to get an outcome is an, is probably one of the most important parts of why companies succeed or why they don't. Well, and most investors are not investing in the idea. Yeah. They're investing in the people. Yes. Right? And do they believe that that team or that the, the people that are going to drive that business can actually get the out, can actually mm-hmm. do it? Yep. Um, it's not the idea that they're investing in very rarely. Part, that's yes. part of it. Yeah. But that's not what they're investing in. Yeah. Well, the same. I mean, years and years ago when I first uh, started selling in that and I was selling insurance and people said, oh, but you're working for a company. You know, if you were working for that company – uh, we're the biggest company, come and work for us. And I said, it doesn't matter. You know, I learned very, very early in my career as a salesperson then that people don't buy from the company necessary, they buy from you. Mm. And, you know, th- just because the AMP at the time was the big company and TNG was a smaller company or National Mutual or the CML or one of those other companies, that they, they all sold. They all had top agents. They all had, mm. you know, and I saw that straight away. And I used to go to the meetings and I'd see this company that nobody had ever heard of, but the representative, he was the top producer in Adelaide. Yep. And I thought, I've never even heard of that company. But he's he's the top producer selling more than the top companies are. So there's something strange here. Look, and I, when I, I found I, out what it was, that's what it was. Successful companies, it's really hard to say what what makes them what makes one company so much more successful than others yep but if you really look at it it's always the people always always yep, yep. surround yourself with the right people and you'll get wherever you want to go and that's where i keep talking to people all the time about getting a mentor getting a coach you know and like i say if you need help with whatever you're doing give me a call send me a message i'm not saying that i can help you but i'm saying i know who can you see if i can't help you i know who can and every week I have special guests on the show who are uh, specialists in their fields or very good at what they do, and I recommend all the people that come to my show. So when somebody rings me up, I say, yep, here, go and see this guy. You want that done? Go and see Ron. You want that done? Go and see John. You know, Or you know, you need to speak to Mary. Or, or you know, We have a lot of businesswomen um, want, want help, but they don't want help from a man. They want help from another woman. We've got lots of business women that I interview and bring on the show or are friends of mine that I recommend, you know, because I say, look, you're better off with them. Simple mm. as that. Mm-hmm. Frank, thank you so much for coming in. You're welcome, Peter. Really it's, been, it's been fun. Yeah, thank you. It really has. But more important than that, it's been very, very good information. It's just fantastic. Well, I hope I hope, hope uh, people get, get something out of it. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. I'm, I'd be surprised if I don't get a half a dozen emails saying, who is that man? We want more from him. <laughs> thank you. Ron, thank you very much. And until next time, thank you and keep listening. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to Happy Business Radio with Peter Salerno. Catch our show every Monday from 2 to 3 p.m. on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM.